All right, welcome to the Masculine Revolution, hosted by Jeremy Brown and myself, Murphy G. Uh, today we got a uh, special guest with us, uh, lead singer for the band True Story, also the lead <laughs> pastor at uh, Foundation Christian Church in downtown Newton. Uh, glad to have you on the show. How you doing this morning? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Super early. <laughs> Super early. The crickets ain't even up. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> All right, so uh, today's topic is going to be, uh, we're going to be talking about the stigma with men in church and the uh, disconnect. Uh, Jeremy, you kind of want to take us into it? Yeah, so uh, I would I would start with defining, uh, so we can kind of get a baseline on, on what is that stigma. Um, yeah. Uh, I just, I think there's a, I mean, I don't know necessarily how to define the stigma other than, you know, um, I think statistics will show that generally men aren't interested. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, most people, most of my friends don't go to church. Yeah. You know? But that's all for multiple different, you know, reasons. But I don't, I, it's, it's hard to, you know, put your finger on one thing because I think, you know, everybody's got their own, you know, thing. But, um, I don't know, past history. For me, when I wasn't going to church, it was past history of dealing with churches. Wasn't a, wasn't a great experience. And so, you know, I didn't, I just kind of stayed away from it, you know? Yeah. Personal experience. Yeah, what, what, uh, like share a little bit of those details as far as like, not, not, not necessarily in detail of the negatives, but like what were the overall overviews of your past experience with church? Uh, extremely, uh, extremely judgmental and cliquish. And then, you know, just like self-righteous, I guess mm-hmm. if I had to broad stroke it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that's crossover between men and women any different? Um, what do you mean? Like, you is know, that, is that from men or from women? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Like, is that experience of those those uh, descriptions that you just shared isolated to just men experiences, or is it both men and women experiences? Oh, I mean, I'm sure it's across the board. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, in my mind, it's hey, how can we um, define and identify like what's specifically attacking the disconnect with men? For sure, as a as a pastor, it sucks to hear like when you say, "I don't know what the disconnect is, but there is one." You know, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, uh, the heart of of any church, you know, you'd think is, you know, we want all people to find a place. Um, but then when you when you take a look and see that there's you know, and at least for this conversation, not that this conversation is, you know, is the answer for everything, but to take a few moments and specifically focus on a particular demographic and just, you know, an enormous demographic of just, hey, we're going to talk about men. Um, and that kind of hurts, you know, just to hear yeah. that it's not just theoretical, but you've got friends that you're thinking of, faces that came to your mind and names and history and moments in your life. Um, that have happened with those individuals and you're like, you know what, I, they don't, they're not interested, you know? Yeah. And for sure, 
I'd love to know why. And I think that's a if you want to solve any problem, first you got to know why there's a problem. Yeah. You know, it's not enough just to know there is a problem, but why? You know. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what kind of I'm digging on is um I think to be able to have a solid conversation about it, you know, just obviously we can't poll, you know, thousands of guys at this very moment, but for us, like what is our experience, you know, and then can we connect that with, is there generalities there that are, you know, similar to others, you know? Um, I think the first place to start specifically would be, uh, with men, you know, specifically, what what attracts guys to other things other than the church? So let's let's take what about sports? Uh, I would say that you know that's a that's a, a category that is predominantly attracted, yeah, you know, by men. What what about that sucks guys in? I think it's the competition. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, I mean, it's like, that's what we're all about. I mean, we're like hardwired to be competitive. And so when we get to, you know, cheer on something without having to do the work, you know, it's, it's even better, I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> get them, you know? I mean, everybody's a great coach when they're sitting on their couch, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it, Generally speaking, I don't, I don't know, I don't know too many men who are like, like flocking to hang out with people, right? Most men are like a pillar of their own, you know, they're the head of the house. So it's like, they're not necessarily more drawn to crowds is where like women love to socialize. And so, you know, church is also that too, of like, you know, mingling and all that. Whereas like men, you know. Well, like, even myself, it's like, I'm cool by myself. You know what I mean? Like, it's great to have friends and all, but, like, at the end of the day, it's like, it's not a necessi- like a necessity for me to function, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or you feel like or it's not Or you feel like it's not as, yeah. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what, what, what's, another, what's another category that guys tend to flock to and enjoy and participate? I mean, downtime. I mean, most, like, you know, you work all week. Yeah. You know, it's downtime. I'll just sit here. I'd just rather stay home, you know. Mm-hmm. So busy schedules. Yeah. I'm tracking with you. What do you think, Clint? What's some categories? Work. You know, just the idea of putting yourself, throwing yourself into something. Um, movement in that work. You know, whether it's promotion or, you know, earning a raise. Um, the idea of providing through that work. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people just work jobs because they got to work a job. But, you know, the conversations I have with folks when someone finds something they love and they're passionate about. Um, and they get to use that as a means to provide for the people they care about. You know, there's a there's a passion level that kind of goes through the roof. You know, an excitement and a purpose. Um, you know, 
I meet a lot of a lot of guys that maybe don't don't like their job, but they do love to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. That's a huge one. Yeah. So in those in those three things, what similarities do we see? I mean, I honestly just it. Uh, you made a you made a post on you know fa- uh, Facebook asking kind of the same question to to other men you know and I was following the the thread and I mean it's somebody said something about church doesn't seem very useful for men and we like tools so there's like for like you know and that's what I was, what I was getting back to just like men love to work and accomplish things and you know it's like church feels more of like a social thing, you know, mm-hmm. and not very useful for the man who, you know what I'm saying? Which is sad to say, but that's, yeah. that's the feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would, I would say that in all throws, in all three of those categories that we mentioned, the, there's a challenge associated with it. Even in the downtime, like you got to find yeah. the time That's right. In, in amongst your schedule you know, to, to, uh, to make it happen. Um, which in our schedules, that's a challenge or at least mine. Um, so what about, what about a challenge, um, does, or do you see the church not providing? Well, I don't know about it. I mean, necessarily like a challenge, but I don't, I mean, for for me personally, sometimes it feels like, and you know, like this is like generally speaking, um, but like church is more uh, focused on conversion instead of discipleship. It's that decisions made, baptized, we count the number, got somebody new here. That's you know, that's, but then it's like the discipleship which is should be the most important part because that's the your walk to salvation right it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of emphasis on that and so as a man when you're like you got the responsibility of leading your household spiritually then it's like what are the tools there to develop that part Mm -hmm. you know so I don't know that's that's kind of my take on it yeah Clint what's your thoughts on what Murphy just said or what was the was there a question before that the question was uh, the similarities similarities of the three things were the challenge and then what about the church or what can the church what do we see in the church right you know that doesn't provide that same source of that those other three does. You know, I think a lot of churches are trying to survive. And so the challenge is just to remain a church. You know, and there's not a lot of purpose to be seen by just keeping the doors open. not a lot of vision associated with you know these are our bills 
we got to pay these things, and so we're going to operate church to make sure we can continue to pay those bills. And um, as long as we do that, we feel like we're, you know, being a church. So um, I think every church has got challenges for people to take on if they want to have a challenge. It's just whether or not, you know, it's a useful challenge, you know, or at least a perceived useful challenge. Um, or it's a challenge that's, you know, worthwhile. Like, why would someone else, why would somebody from the street walk in, some guy, and say, okay, I want to join you in your challenge just to keep your doors open? You know, like, that doesn't seem like a challenge I want to jump in and be a part of. Um, maybe, like, after a big tragedy or a crisis or something, it's like survival mode for a brief period, but it can't be just let's scrape by forever, mm-hmm. you know, and let that be the mission. Um, so I think that could be a part of it. Um, it could be some reality of just not being honest about the role the church could play in the community um, and the need for followers of Jesus to step up in really difficult situations and providing those opportunities or being a bridge builder to get to those opportunities and connecting the dots for people to see that there are enormous challenges in our community that church can take on together. And so it's one thing to say, well, the church is going to take on a need in the community. And if people think institution, you know, then it's like, okay, well, that church is going to do that. When I use the word church, I'm thinking people, not necessarily a a church logo and a church building. So when we see a challenge in our community, immediately I'm like, okay, well, how can our people move in that direction to say we're going to take that challenge on? You know, the tornado hit Noonan, you know, over a year ago, and we didn't see foundation as the answer to or a part of the answer to help. We saw the people of foundation as part of the answer to help. Um, but that's got to be communicated in a really clear and then there's got to be a path like a step-by-step path that's accessible for people to jump on and take on that challenge you know but I think honestly to go back to what I said first I think that's the biggest thing is that the one challenge every church wants to present is let's just keep our doors open Mm -hmm. you know yep yeah so really like in a summary of that is is the mission isn't simple, clear, and concise where guys can grab a hold of it sure, and jump in on it. Because I think, you know, men or women, there's a desire inside of us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. But how we execute that depends on the opportunities placed in front of us. Um, and then do we buy into it and it become a lifestyle instead of, just something that we're going through the motions with. Um, and so like on the topic of a, Hey, I would agree the overall, I think the church in general has, has, is having a difficult time defining the mission specifically for men and how they can partake in unity operating in unity together in a direction, in a, in a specific direction, which is what the church is, is unified people coming together and living on mission, right? Yeah. So that that vision casting there um, 
is is dropping a ball, you know, with because it's focused on like you're saying. I think you know a lot of the time, sure, or could be most of the time, um, and and they and there's opportunities provided. Uh, you know, take you know any most churches is in this area will say, hey, you know, we got a X day to go help somebody or something like that. But but as far as mission living, like lifestyle living. You know that's a that's a Saturday every three months. You know what I mean. And so that's not. I mean that's good. And it's a positive thing, but is it really the way that somebody can apply living? Right. You know. And so that's where uh, I think guys are like, well, you know, we'll jump in at you know this thing or that thing. But as far as like living a lifestyle, um, I think the setup is kind of what you just mentioned as far as the discipleship, you know, and I, and I can't speak for everybody, but I do want to look at like the, the way that I think is, is take what my experience is and what I've experienced. And then can I see similarities? Cause there's not going to be like identical twin stuff going on. Cause everybody's an individual, different personalities, sure. different experiences, but is there similarities and how can I, bend the curve by recognizing those similarities, you know, and, and I look at my experience and I had strong, um, men that were living on mission in my life and had influence in my life, but there was never a moment where, uh, someone older and ahead of me stepped into that role outside of, um, two people come to my mind come to my mind uh, a coach I had in high school and my dad um, that set that example but other than that as far as church side of things there was never any older person that stepped into my life and said not like hey I'm gonna be your mentor like super super lame and awkward or anything but like there was never you know uh, an investment you know over a long period of time maybe like little spurts or something but consistently doing that or pursuing that. Um, and so it goes down the trail of what you're talking about with discipleship. You know, are men being taught and equipped to say, Hey, look, um, it's not that you have to wait till you get it figured out. And then you start doing this. No, it's like, as you're figuring it out and as you're applying this lifestyle, um, if you've made the commitment, you know, to Jesus Christ, then turn around, find somebody, and invite them along with you. Um, that's that's the calling, um, and I think that that steps into a whole other category of a challenge. Because when I look at when I look at my experiences, like if we're in construction, and so we build things every day, and so you you start from scratch from nothing and you put something together and you build it, you get this satisfaction and this fulfillment of like, dang, this is, this is pretty legit. Like I get to walk away from something that I, what I remember when I first showed up was nothing. And now it's something, you know, and it's tangible and you can taste it. You can see it. You can hold it. You know, um, you got sweat involved in it. You got frustration, you know, organization of different elements, all those kind of things. Are we looking at that? very basic uh, process 
of building and are we looking at that same process but in the through the perspective of relationships um, and I think that that's a that's a difficult thing to do because relationships are so complicated uh, you know Clint uses an, you know you use an analogy all the time like rarely is the issue the issue so you pull a you can pull it you can say oh you know I see this about this individual and I'm gonna pull the noodle you know and all of a sudden it's tied down there at the end and you're like oh well I thought it was this but it's not this and so it's super complicated and so it's really an art um and so people get discouraged from it and so i think that that that, that's a mix with uh what you're talking about with guys like it's hard (laughs) for us to invest with relationships because it's like okay well am i winning or am i losing with this because sometimes it's not clear you know with folks um but there are people that are doing it. And so are those people teaching and equipping others um, to do the same um, and really make that connection of being a part of something bigger than yourself and you're really building something that matters and can make an impact? Uh, that's part of what Jesus is at work with. Um, so that was a little tangent, you know, uh, but... You know, I think that that's I think that's a big missing link with what exactly what you're saying, Clint, is the mission, you know, is is possibly not being communicated clear clearly to where people can grasp it. Uh, it I think it's a mixture of that or it's this mentality of like what you just said. Well, I never had anybody really jump into my life. And so, I, you know, I don't know, you know, I, maybe it's the I don't know what I don't know. No one ever did it for me, so I want to do it for, for anybody else. No one ever did it for me, so how do I have the ability to do it for someone else? Um, but, you know, Murphy, what you said earlier about, hey, there's an emphasis on one or the other, I think that's the secret. Um, so, you know, most churches, if they're really, you know, they're counting, you know, uh, what, what is it, uh, the bees, butts in the seats, bucks in the offering plate. Right, like that's what they want to do. They want butts and bucks. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and that's that's what they're chasing down, right? Yeah. Um, if that's the end of the if that if it's like butts and bucks and period, like that's it. Then then I, you know, okay. Well, then I I, I get what you're saying. However, I think that that's the secret to discipleship, because it eliminates the excuse of nobody ever did it for me. So let's just say, for example, um, that. You know, I got a 10 year old and let's say tomorrow he comes up to me and it's like, Hey, you know, dad, uh, let's just pretend for something. He's like, you know, dad, I really want to, uh, I want to learn how to shoot bow and arrow and I've never shot a bow and arrow before. Right. Well, uh, I got choices. I can put him in some bow and arrow lessons or something like that. I don't know if those exist. Um, yeah. I can put some bow and arrow lessons and, uh, get him to do that. Or I can like try to figure it out, like see if he's interested in it before I go drop a bunch of money. If you look at a bow and arrow, it's like, man, they got some twenty nine ninety nine bow and arrows that got like shuck suction cups on the end. He probably don't want that. He probably wants something legit. So if I really wanna, you know, jump in with him and he's like, Hey, I want you to teach me and I don't know anything about it, well then that forces me to learn how to do something so I can teach him. Yeah. You know? And it eliminates the excuse, well nobody shot me told me how to shoot a bow and arrow, so you know. Sorry, kid, you had luck. I know you want to do this, but you had luck. Um, I know that super oversimplifies it. 
However, it, it makes a point of if it means if the person means enough to you, then you'll figure it out if, if, if they're relying on you to give them the information to teach them. And so if my kid came to me, and I know that's super trivial, he's like, I want to do this, even if I didn't know anything about it, but he meant enough to me, then I'd say, you know what, I'm going to invest and figure out how to, how to do it, to pass on some knowledge to him or figure out a path for him to get it. And so when Jesus, you know, and the Bible we refer to as the Great Commission, one of the last things he says to his followers is says, go and make disciples. And I think it's because he knew we were going to have so many excuses when it comes to our discipleship. He said, I'm going to give you the, the, the simple fix to all of it. If, if you're ever in any rut spiritually, the way out of your rut is for you to make a disciple, period. So when you say, hey, well, I don't have the tools or church is not doing equipping the, with tools or fill in the blank. As long as even if the church is sidetracked on just butts and bucks, right? Um, even if that is the case, there's still enough potential there in any church in the United States. If they're concentrating on people coming to know Jesus, um, even if that's their big metrics and they put a period at the end and that's all that matters to them, even that will be enough to spur you on your discipleship. Because if you're taking that role personally and you're looking at taking a look at guys in your life and saying, man, these people, these guys are missing out on the faith that I've got. I don't really necessarily understand the church piece, but this faith piece is a big part of my life. Then you will do what is necessary in your own discipleship, even if someone will not disciple you. And faith, the way Jesus has set us up, there's this gift of the Spirit of God that says, hey, I'm going to stand in the gap even when men fail you. You know, that I will be there to help equip you even when every other guy around you fails. You know? Uh, and I, so I think there's something to it. I think that's the secret to the whole thing. But I think the other piece of the vision that breaks down with, with church and men is that we're not saying, hey, at the end of the day, Jesus came to save the whole world. Um, and he has, he's put that sin piece on his shoulders. You know, we believe that, hey, we, we're imperfect, that there's a separation between man and God. And the only way to get there is this bridge builder named Jesus who died on the cross and resurrected from the grave, you know, the first Easter Sunday. Like we believe all those things. But then after that, the, the part two is Jesus said, now that I've done this, I've decided to create this thing called the church and the, the spirit of God is going to inhabit the church and the church is people, is men and women, right? And so if, if, the, if it's not communicated, um, if it's not felt, if it's not ingrained in people that each one of us have an enormous role to play in the mission and the story of God, in our homes, but in our communities, and the people that are around us, the friends that we've got who are disconnected from faith, if we don't see that we are the answer that Jesus has come up with, where he is answer primary one, right? But then the, the method for the way that Jesus gets into the world are, is the church. And when I say the church, I don't mean organizationally, but the body of believers. If we don't see that we are the chosen method to bring the good news of Jesus to the world, then we're missing it. You know, like is us. Is us. So when we look at men disconnect, you know, I think honestly, we've just got to take it on our own shoulders to say, if there's a disconnection issue, the problem is the men that are in the church aren't understanding that they're the reason that yeah. that they're the conduit for connection. You know? When they're like, Man, I can't get any of my friends to come to church. That should be an inward thing to say, Why in the world? So this is the most important thing in my life, but all of my guy friends think it's not important to them at all. And then we want to look at the church and say, well, daggum, if the church could fix this. And we don't realize, no, we're, we're, that's it. 
Yeah. Obviously, I'm not doing something that shows them this is worth a hill of beans. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm sorry I'm rambling. But no, no. No, that, that's it. That's good. You hit it. I mean, that's 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 the answer. It, it is it is men. Yeah, I mean, it's like the whole premise of why we started this podcast and why all of our conversations are geared the way it are. We men are the answer. We are the problem and the answer. Um, but it's like, what do we do with that? And then on top of that, leading somebody else is, I mean, that especially when it comes to like in the spiritual way, I don't know of anything that gives me more anxiety. <laughs> I don't want that responsibility. Yeah. Because I, I can't tell you how many times I've read a Bible verse and felt like I had it figured out, right? And then I like, you know, scroll on Instagram or whatever, and Stephen Furtick or somebody's like <laughs> preaching on the same thing, but in a whole other way. And then it's like, well, maybe I didn't understand that. You know what I mean? So yeah. then it becomes overwhelming because you can turn around and like 10 different people can have 10, 10 different like understandings of the verse and be like, no, you know. And then like you asked me a question Jeremy, uh, you know, why do why do you know men not read the Bible? It's freaking intimidating. You know what I mean? Because you can sit there and read, and then you'll go to like talk to somebody about. It. Well, really, to understand that, you're gonna have to go back to Romans and read. Or, you know, it's like, then it makes you feel like, well, maybe I'm not qualified for this. Maybe yeah. maybe I don't measure up enough to be telling you what you should do in your life. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, I'm not the one who judges you. I don't, I don't decide whether or not you get in. That ain't me. You know what I mean? So I'm just saying it's like it's super over, like overwhelming to be in that position of saying, I'm going to disciple you. Because they got to be bought into like look at your whole life and, and be like, yeah, I'd, I'd like something like that. You know, you look like you got it figured out or whatever. And I mean, like that takes vulnerability and being close to each other too. So what if we took the weakness that you're – mention like okay this insecurity that most guys feel the inadequacy and we use it as a strength where we said hey you know what here's the deal the only thing i know as a guy is that jesus has profoundly impacted my life day to day and i'm still in a process of discovering all the truths that are still hidden from me because i'm, I'm learning and i'm growing and so i ain't got all the answers what i do have the answer for is the answer for how it's affected my life I don't have all the Bible answers, and you probably got some questions I'm not going to know. But shoot, I'd rather I'd rather discover them with you than anybody else. Yeah, you know, I'd rather jump in and figure figure out the answer with you than anybody else than some random stranger because you know. And if every guy did that, that was was okay to say, hey, you know what, I can I can say that I've got a plan and purpose for my life um, in terms of what Jesus wants, and still say I don't have all the Bible answers. Like those both can exist at the same time, you know, but I think that's part of it is yeah. as guys, we got to have the answer. And so if, if we, if we say, you know what, I've given my, my family, I'm pounding the table here and I'm sure, you know, I'm like, <laughs> if, if, if us as guys say, Hey, I've given my life to something and my, my family's, my family's all, you know, tilted towards this faith, then automatically there's something in our brain. Maybe it's cultural that says, well, we've got to have all the answers for why and how. But we don't, you know, we don't, we, we've got to have enough. We've got to give each other the permission to say faith is enough for me. And I'm still discovering all the evidence for that faith. And it's a journey and I might not, you know, the last thing I learn 
might be the day before I take my last breath. I'm going to constantly be in a place of discovery, yeah. you know, and shaping where I thought I might, I thought I knew something, but I'm also always open to understand that I don't have to be the guy that knows everything. I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I was, th- this, this same scenario kind of presented itself last night. So Ann and I are watching this little channel on YouTube. We found through the al- algorithms of just almighty, yeah. you know, <laughs> internets um but there's i didn't this, even know you had internet i know I, know. <laughs> I try to keep it uh you know incognito but uh so we're, we're watching this couple that's like sailing around the world and at first it started off like hey let's just sail here you know and then they started a youtube channel and and you know started filming their adventure and now it's like it's turned into i mean they're like eight nine years deep into this thing turned into a channel and i'm sure they're making you know decent money off of it so they're like hey we're gonna keep this going which makes sense but they were talking to a guy uh on their boat just spending the evening with somebody that they met somewhere in island out in the middle of the pacific and this guy's sitting there with his buddy of his that just started this same same thing they started sailing around the world and they had zero uh sailing experience they just bought a boat and they left mexico and now they're like in the middle of the Pacific, you know, and I'm sitting there listening to these two guys and I'm just like, man, how dumb is that? <laughs> you know, like, but then I'm thinking through it and it's like, is it the safest thing? Probably not. But how incredible that, that they didn't back away from that spirit of, I don't have the answers. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm jumping off in this deep end, literally, that could take my life. And now they're a few years into it, and obviously they're still learning, but they've mastered a little bit and got some experience on the ocean and things like that. But it, all of a sudden it dawned on my, in my mind, it's like, well, you know, somebody had to be the first for everything. So the reason that we're here sitting in America was because somebody said, Oh, I'm going to jump in a boat. And we don't even know if the world, if I'm going to fall off a cliff or not, (laughs) you know, that's what they were thinking. Like we're going to fall off the cliff. They knew the truth. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So, but they went, they went right. So it, it's the exact same thing where, um, there's, there's something that's inside of us that has a fear of, I don't want to be found out for a failure and for myself, but I sure as heck don't want others to see me fail. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so then the, the question arises in every guy's mind, whether they connect the dots with it or not is, do I have what it takes? You know? Um, and the beautiful thing about the message of the gospel men or women is the answer is no, (laughs) Uh, you know, I mean, it's not a surprise. No, but there's a solution because there is someone who, who, who does, um, and he's leading the way. Uh, and so then we just have to take a step back and say, do we have the courage to follow it? And then the beautiful thing is, is that, uh, you know, Murphy, you and I talk about this all the time where you have gifts and talents. 
and a person, different personality than I do. And so you can be used to reach people that I can't and then vice versa. Right. right? So, so the, so the, the magic is, is everybody has different experiences, personalities, gifts, talents, but they can all be used to reach someone, you know? And so do you have the courage to obey the one who does have the answer and actually apply grabbing a hold of somebody and saying, Hey, like, like Clint just shared, like, Hey, look, I don't have all the answers, but let's figure it out together. Even if I may, even if I'm a little bit ahead of you, you know, and I may have a few answers that you're going to come across and ask, and I can provide that, but still like it's never ending, you know? And so let's do it together. Um, but that does take some vulnerability and, and, and you gotta, you gotta realize like, okay, they're going to see me fail and you gotta be okay with them seeing you fail and not try to let ego get in the way and all that kind of stuff, which is a whole nother thing. But like, you know, it's, it's something to, it, it's an incredible mission to jump in on. Um, but you gotta, you gotta take some risk, but without, but there nothing, nothing good comes without risk, you know, and that's how God designed it. Right. Yeah, when you, you use the word the fear of, or the idea of failure, and thinking about you know more of again what you said, Murphy, and trying to put the two together, I wonder if when I when I ask this question, if if an image pops in everyone's mind, what does the perfect church guy look like? You know, like when you think, hey, this is the guy. When I go to church, and I see this type of guy he's the guy that's got it all figured out. Like, do you have an image that pops in your mind, even down to like what they're wearing? You know what I'm saying? Like this is, this is what a, this is what a good church fought church guy. That's a good dad and a good job and a good husband. Like, this is what that looks like. And then in our minds, we say, we can't be that, you know, like we're, we're so far from that, you know, this perceived idea of, this guy who, you know, at least in our minds, has it all together. It, it's just like anything else, right? Um, if you want to learn to play golf and you've got to go to a country club for the first time, you go to a store, you know, because obviously you got to have a collar on, right? You so you're like, okay, well, I got to get a polo shirt and I got to, I got to figure out what a golfers look like um, when you go play golf, and so I'm gonna have to get dressed up to do that if you were to go to a hunting club i would imagine you're thinking the same thing like what do people go hunting go with i remember the first time anybody took me hunting which is i ain't only been once uh, and it was in your backyard <laughs> good times uh, i went and bought i went to academy and i bought something camouflage <laughs> you know what i'm saying i was like hey i gotta get something because i'm deer gonna see me <laughs> oh man Anyway, but you, like you go through that, like okay, well, I gotta then, I gotta look the part, I gotta act the part, I gotta dress the part, all those things. And in church, I don't, I mean, I, I, that's the hard part is I haven't been on the outside of a church circle for so long, you know. I mean, and as a grown man, I haven't been, you know, I've been a follower of Jesus all the time, so I don't have, I don't have the, the privilege of having that insight that I find to be so incredibly valuable when I get to talk to someone who as an adult is a, 
was disconnected from faith and now is connected from faith, their perspective is so valuable to me to, to hear and to listen um, and to gain, you know, perspective from. So I would imagine, though, it's the same thing in the church. You know, you got this idea of this is what the perfect church guy looks like and can I put myself together that way? And you realize, I just, that's not me. And so if that's, if but if that's what this perfect thing looks like, then I, what am I going to do? And so I think there's a disconnect on one side of this expectation that, hey, I got to be or look like, feel like, dress like, whatever. But then there's other, this, this the, the realistic expectation that we've got to be honest about in the church is that if you are one of those longtime church guys, you've got to realize that your very presence creates an obstacle for people who are disconnected. And if you don't recognize that your presence just being there, looking how you look, dressing how you dress, whatever it is. If you're the prototypical, been going to church for a long time guy, that your presence is the obstacle, then you've got to recognize there's then a response. If we're going to take the words of Jesus seriously to go and make disciples, to create a you belong here movement, right, within, within the church walls, then you've got to recognize there's a responsibility, even though you didn't sign up for it or ask for it, for you to say, hey, you know what? I realize I'm an obstacle, so I've got to figure out a way to tear down the barriers that I create just by being there, right? Which is I've got to I've got to actually scan the crowd and take a look at folks who might be there for the first time and realize that I got a core group of folks that I like to hang out with that maybe even look just like I do, um, but I've got to say, hey, there's an obstacle, there's a barrier we're creating when we do this, and so I've got to the way for me to tear this down is I've got to separate myself on Sunday mornings or at a church event or whatever and reach out to those people who look like, hey, you've probably never been here before, right? The guys that are slow to walk into a building and they're looking around like they don't even know where the bathrooms are, you know? They're trying to figure it all out. They don't even know where to park. They're not sure where to put their kids or where to take their kids. They have. I can't tell you how many times I have conversations with guys who ask me, what do I wear to church on Sunday mornings, you know? Like, what am I supposed to wear? When I invite them and they just finally say, oh, I'm, I'm going to show up, what do I wear? And then I tell them what I wear, right? I said, well, this is what I wear. This is what I'm wearing. You wear whatever you want, to be honest with you. Um, clothes are required, right? Like, that's, <laughs> like it's, there, is, there is a limit, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, clothes are required, but this is what I'm going to wear, right? I want to wear jeans, I want to wear a T-shirt, a hat, and probably some hiking boots. Maybe if it's a really nice day, some Jordans. Come on. <laughs> right? That's what I'm going to wear. But it's a big deal. You know, people are already in their minds thinking, what do I, can I, can I become that version of that church person that I want to be? And then they realize either I don't actually want to be that or I don't think I know how to be that. And I certainly don't want to fail in front of everybody, you know? And it's even worse because you're fa- if you're a family guy, your family's there watching you fail. So now your wife knows that you can't be this ideal guy. And now your kids know you can't be this ideal guy. And if the church doesn't address this idea that the ideal guy is Jesus, it ain't none of us. It ain't the polo shirt wearing, perfectly parted hair, khaki pants, and the little penny loafers. Like that's not that's not the ideal guy. It's not even the elders in the church. And it certainly ain't the pastor. And it's not the worship leaders, anybody else. There's no ideal people here. The only ideal person is Jesus. And the rest of us are just doing the very best we can, you know? I think what you're speaking to, though, is what culture says the church is, which is a big barrier that we have to deal with on, sure. on multiple levels, like uh, racism, sexism, all that. Like, yeah. that, 
culture says that we're a certain type of way because we go to church, right? So if I'm going to speak to that, then a lot of my friends, like, believe in God, right? But they're, like, on the fence about it because they're, like, it's a white man's religion. Sure. So on, on top of the insecurity I feel as a believer already of not measuring up, now I got to combat hundreds of years of men doing it wrong right. to say that, no, 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 that's not, that's not really, that's not how I believe it. That's not what, where I go. That's not how yeah. it goes down. But then it's like, so what do we do about that? You know what I mean? And, and that gets overwhelming too, because now it's like, I don't want that image in your mind every time you talk to me, because that's not how I feel. That's not what I believe. You know what I mean? But like, that's what culture tells you, I believe. Right. And so then it's like, but that's the same thing with like how to dress. Mm-hmm. That is a, a culture has told you you got to look a certain way to come in here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that whether it be a past experiences or whatever, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I mean, it's it. The cards are stacked against us as a believer because you you don't want to lead someone down the wrong road or be a bad representation of it. And then, again, it speaks to men doing it wrong in the past of like, um, I mean, why do why do we need to create programs and entertain folks to get them there it's because men haven't been the salt in the world we haven't been the flavor the other six days of the week people can't tell or don't know the difference or we you know judgmental or whatever it is whatever that sin has been in the past that still falls on the men the shoulders you know what i mean because we haven't been the salt like people flock to jesus shouldn't as believers, we, people should like want to be around us. Like, I don't know what it is about you, but I just want to be around you because right. you have peace. You got, I mean, the fruits of the spirit are, are evident. And even though if I don't know that, like all the, the, the men that were in my life that I, like I wanted to be around them, even when I wasn't living that way. Cause there's just like, there's a certain peace about it that I wasn't dealing with when I was everywhere else, you know? And so, I mean, I think that we have to like, we have to take it on the other six days of the week too. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's a huge, I mean, and I, I don't, I don't know what to really do about like the racism and the history of like whitewashing in the church. I don't know what to do about that. That was a problem that happened before I was born. And, but now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a believer and I'm a part of that. So now I have to be a part of the solution, you know what I mean? Which makes it tough. So like, and a lot of times it's like, you almost want to separate from that because you're like, no, nah, that's not how I, am. you know what I mean? Right. And so then you almost like, don't like, I'm, I'm a believer, but like, not like them. Right. You know what I mean? So like, it creates like dissension with like your feelings towards church or like why it's even, you know, it's not important to me because you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it just kind of like adds on to that pressure of like, no, I don't want to lead you. You know what I mean? Of like, I don't want to lead you down that road or like, I'm not the guy to have the answers, you know, watch Stephen Furtick or whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just saying, it's like, you, you always want to pass the buck to somebody. No, what you need to do is listen to his sermons or listen to his sermons. Cause it's easier to pass it, pass it to somebody else, you know, Hmm. which is not the right answer for it. You know, I mean, ultimately I believe it's, it's on men's shoulders to fix, you know, what, what's been done wrong. But then we have to figure out where that direction is, actually. You know? Yeah. You, you know, if you think back to some of your greatest teachers, 
like real quick, if I give you a chance just for your mind to go to the greatest teachers, maybe it's academic teachers or maybe it's a, a coach, someone who's taught you something. Yeah. Whenever they came to a close, I would imagine that this this phrase came out of their mouth, you know. Like when that when that season comes to a close or that year comes to a close, I would imagine this this phrase comes out of their mouth. Where they stand up in front of the people they've taught, or maybe it's just a small group, or whatever, and they say these words. You know, I really enjoyed having you as a class or having you as a team. You've taught me just as much as, you know, I've been able to teach you, right? That's yeah. a pretty popular phrase that comes from really great teachers. And I think that's part of the secret too. Like you you've mentioned a couple of times, I I don't I don't know if I can lead you, but it's that mentality of you know, Bible tells us that iron sharpens iron. Like it's 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 a mutual thing. It's happening at the same time. Yeah. And so I'm not here. The only thing I'm here to lead you to is to Jesus. Now, beyond that, we're going to lead each other together. Like as we walk through this, um, we're going to do it together. You know, I, I'm not your leader. Jesus is. And I'm going to try to follow Jesus. It'd be really great if we could do that at the same time. You know, and when you talk about the history of the church, uh, racism, divisions, cultural stigma, all those things, you can get overwhelmed when you start talking about it. For sure. I think the approach that I've taken is I don't have all the answers. Um, even if I gave my entire life to one of those specific things, I don't think I would have all the answers. However, that doesn't excuse me from doing something about it today. It's never the wrong time to do the next right thing. And so, will my next right thing right all of the wrongs of, you know, white church history? For sure not. Um, but I also have to realize that right now I'm making church history. And it's something that someone 100 years from now will look back on and see, hey, was, there's this, was, there's, was there the, a movement in Noonan? They did something that was different than what was there previously. And so we're making history as we go. And so I don't want to miss out on making history now because I don't have an answer for previous history. For you sure. know? So I want to gather as many people together as possible to do something that's radically different than what people expect. Because I think that's what Jesus did. You know, I think he showed up and moments where no one thought he would show up and then he didn't show up when everyone expected him to show up right yeah. that one of his best friends is about to die and everybody knows he can help heal this right jesus has been on this this healing train you know and jesus doesn't show up when when the person in his life probably in their eyes needed him most jesus wasn't there instead he shows up four days later you know but in that moment jesus says hey i'm glad i wasn't here when all of you thought I needed to be here, I'm glad I wasn't because now you're going to experience what God's really about. Yeah, you know, you're going to give God glory to God in a way that you would have never done it if I had done what you wanted me to do. You know, yeah. can a church do that? Can guys do that? Can men be an enormous part of that? You know, when I asked that question on Facebook, you know, I had a lot of guys saying, "Hey, well, I, church isn't necessary, right? It's not a, it's not a need for me to connect with God or anything like that." And, I agree with all those things, 100%. Um, yeah, you don't need church to to know Jesus or to find Jesus or anything like that. But you will find that when you get to know Jesus more, that 
the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. And so a lot of folks will immediately go to, well, let's go back to what you said earlier, right? It's people. It's people. It is people. However, what we see is there's a biblical precedent that the way that those people were gathered together were in these communities of believing. <clears throat> this, organi- this organized side of things, the church in Jerusalem, church at Rome, Ephesus, Corinth, that they had or- an organized piece to it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. There was weekly gatherings. They were met in people's homes. Um, I mean, the church went from about 140 people to 3,140 people in like a day, like a weekend. And you don't get all 3,000 people in people's homes and in people's in the temple at one time or in temple courts to celebrate and to gather without organization with it. Organization can be an incredible thing to move people from one place to the other, but it also can be... You know the thing that kills something that's really special, yeah. And you got to be really careful with it. And so when when I hear guys say, "Hey, I just don't see the value in the church," um, I think the disconnect has been is the church hasn't communicated the value in that particular guy, right? There's been a disconnect. They don't realize the role that they have the potential to play in the kingdom, um, and that's a church fail. And for sure, I'm I'm positive that our church is guilty of it. Um, we, we try and chase down the true mission of Jesus each and every week, but we're not perfect with it, you know, and don't claim to be. Um, but I think that's got to be it. Can, and it goes back to where we started on this vision, uh, the ability to communicate vision of what the church is supposed to do. Is there, is there a way to communicate really clearly to a guy that, hey, you have an enormous role to play? Not in cutting the grass at the church, which that might be part of it, right? Well, no, we ain't got no grass to cut, but right. <laughs> but I'm just saying, right? In most churches, they got some grass, right? Yeah. Um, that that it, maybe there's a small role there, but there's a much larger, enormous stakes, right? Um, enormous upside in the community towards strong, vulnerable. I don't have to have all the answers, but I'm willing to bring my A game to put it together to do something on Jesus' behalf that shows people that Jesus isn't here just for fancy songs and offering buckets, offering plates, you know. But it's Jesus' movement's bigger than that. I think that's that's what we got to figure out. Week in and week out, no excuses, no days off. That's what we got to be able to communicate. Yeah, so uh, probably eight years ago, I stumbled across this little, I don't know, it might be even longer than that, stumbled across this little equation um, that honestly has been a part of really changing my mind from like perspective on a daily basis. And it's focused intensity divided by time multiplied by God equals unstoppable momentum. And the first part of the equation is focused intensity divided by time, you know, which this is where it plays into kind of what we're talking about, where you got this fear that you don't know where you're going. You know that you probably, I mean, that you've been asked to lead others in a particular way, but you don't even know the route yourself but 
the power in that equation is is that it's focus intensity on that mission divided by time. And define, so define focused intensity though. Okay, so for me, you know, which let's let's get some other inputs here while we're here this morning. But for me, it's it's taking uh, you know, in the topic of submitting my life to Jesus, it's taking those principles that Jesus Jesus teaches um, while He's here on Earth and applying them on a daily basis over time. So it's not just like you know, hey, I'm I'm uh, I'm fired up about this, and so I'm going to do it for a few weeks. So it's hey, I'm going to be specific about in this case principles of of Jesus, and I'm going to be I'm going to put some intense effort into saying hey, or some focused intense effort into saying hey, I'm going to apply these. I'm going to take a look at these, digest these, um, maybe argue internally with these. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Yep. Exactly. And and it's like, okay, can I not only identify those, you know, to be focused and intentional with, but then consistently execute them daily, right? Over time. So not just for a week or two weeks or three weeks, but like a year, two years, three years, you know, and, and with that experience, creates a resume you know that points to jesus because i'm going to fail along the way of that focused intensity over time there's going to be failures but the failures are great because that teaches me something if i'm paying attention you know i mean like the saying is you know if you do things over and over and over again and expect different results you know it's insanity you know but i think a lot of the times we as human beings we do that constantly you know we we sit there and do the same thing over and over. So it's not only just being repetitious with with applying those behaviors on a consistent basis, but it's paying attention along the way so that right. you can learn, you know. But with that creates a resume that then God can use as a as a vehicle, a train, a bus, or whatever that's multiplied by him. So then people experience like, okay, this is beyond this person's efforts, you know. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with predominantly guys because that's where my effort goes into other than my wife um, where they'll sit there and remember a certain thing that a certain conversation or a certain action that that they experienced together weeks years later and they'll bring it back to me and say you know you know when this happened or blah 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 you know it was really used as a, as a shift in my own life. And I had no idea, you know? And so that's evidence to me that I'm living out principles that are bigger than myself because it had nothing to do with me. You know, it, God used that consistency to make a difference, you know? And then that's where you experience that unstoppable momentum, that equal peace. And then when you taste that, you want more of it. Like you can't get enough of it, of that unstoppable momentum piece. And I think that's, I think that's what we see with the disciples lives. Like they, they went to death with it uh, because it was never enough to see, man, I'm this little tiny piece in this pie here, but look at, look at what God's doing with it. And it fires them up. 
because then they, then they're then they had the ability to live on mission. Um, and I think that you know we're hitting on it um, as far as the church altogether is that the the mission isn't being identified clearly enough to where the majority of men can actually grasp it and then have the then encouraged and and taught to take steps with forward you know um without having answers along the way you know and and you look at you look at people who have made these massive differences in in thousands of lives take america just for example you got some folks that come over here on some boats and land on wild shore and then now here we are you know, it's it's six o'clock in the morning in a country because of those people's risk. You know, and and do you think they were afraid? Heck yeah. You know, and most of them died. You know, they didn't make it. Um, but the mission was there, and it was clear, and they were unwilling to compromise on it. Um, and so when you get the unity of the church, where men are recognizing that mission. And understand that <clears throat> they're not their responsibility isn't to share their uh, their responsibility isn't to solve the issue it's to figure it out along the way. All of a sudden, there's an um, there's a massive freedom. Right. There's a massive freedom, and and then it multiplies. You know, and I think that's what we see. You know, when you read, you know, in the Bible where the you know first four books of the gospel were just sharing Jesus's life. But then the book immediately after that is Acts, which is other people other than Jesus spreading his message. And it explodes, explodes. And here we are today still discussing it, <laughs> you know? And so, and it came, it comes down to these just little simple acts. And in those acts, if they're in the moment, they didn't know what the outcome was going to be. You know, um, and then they, and then in our own minds, we exemplify that as like, man, that's what I want to be like. But if you were to have a conversation like, like with Paul, for example, one of the, uh, you know, arguably the largest church planner in church history. Sure. Um, he's sitting in prison for the majority of his ministry. And we read his letters from that, which in the moment he was probably thinking, man, I need to get, I need to get out of here. You know, I need to get out of here. I need to go talk to people about the gospel. But it's crazy with exactly what you're talking about earlier about how Jesus shows up differently. It's amazing that God uses that experience to actually touch more lives than if he was out in the out. Right. Because now we have records of something that's passed on the test of time, you know? Yeah. Um, but in the moment, he's sitting there going, I'm sure, sitting there going, ah, well, I'm stuck, you know? Right. And all I can do is write on this piece of paper and give it to somebody. <laughs> like, what the crap, you know? But so my point is, is he didn't know. Right. But he was still pressing forward regardless. Um, and so that's the encouragement piece as you're listening. Like, in my mind is, is like, you know, Murphy, you've been transparent. Like, you know, hey, you know, I feel inadequate. Uh, I don't have the answers. Um I'm dealing with uh, stigmas that are placed on a particular organization, you know, that we call the church that I had nothing to do with. 
And they're going to view me with that regardless because I'm associated with it. You know, my encouragement piece is, is cast the fear away. You know, although that's easier said than done, but then start applying it in small areas of your life. Like, for example, if you're married with children, like start in your house. And then as time passes with that focus intensity, God will God will produce an unstoppable momentum. So as time ticks by, all of a sudden your your waves that you're creating inside your home will not be limited to your home. And it's not even necessarily anything that you are strategizing to do. It's what God does. Mm-hmm. And then you get to be a part of it, which is fulfillment. You know, when you experience that, it's pure fulfillment. And that's the addicting piece. The, the, the addiction piece for me, you know, specifically is I've experienced that and now I want more and you can't top it off. You know, it's not like, well, I've reached it. You know, I'm, I'm content with that. Like, no, like, cause then if you get to that place mentally, which you do, it's part of the human mind. All of a sudden you start going kind of down the hill instead of being at the top of the hill. And you're like, man, like what? I want to be back up at the top of the hill, you know? So then boom, you know, you got another decision, you know, like, okay, do I start applying what I know or do I, you know, not, you know? So it's a process. Yeah. I mean, you hit on something that I pretty much came to the conclusion to for my own self was that if I wanted to really like, you know, address racism or any of this, these other like hot topics, it starts with how I raise my kids because that's going to trickle out. Like that's the only thing I can really control. Like I can like protest and pick it and do whatever to like, you know, make noise. But if I really want to make a difference, I feel like it starts. I mean, if, if, if racism is taught in, in all these things are passed down through, through the, the family or whatever, the home, then that's where I need to start at. And so like, I can't do anything about the past, but I can do something about the future. And so I can make sure that my kids don't continue in, in, into seeing things that way or whatever. Um, and so I, I think that's like a huge part is that it starts in our home. You know, it starts with us. The change starts with the person, the individual. Um, but it still doesn't negate like, you know, what, is, what, is, what does the Bible say about false teachers? It doesn't speak highly of it. You know what I mean? So it's like it makes you feel like I, I, there has to be some level of competency with the Bible or like understanding for me to be in that position. I feel like, you know, to feel confident enough to even go down that trail with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like I have conversations with people about the Bible all the time and it's always me trying to defend something about this or that, you know? And, and so that's what I'm saying is, is like, and in a sense, in that which Jesus doesn't need me to defend him, you know, or the Bible doesn't need me to defend it. But I'm just saying, in those in those circumstances, it's like in the moment. Yeah, in the moment, you can't like that. That doesn't make someone feel more confident about what I believe. You know what I'm saying? If that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, no doubt the Bible talks about false teachers, but I also think when we take in the entire story of God, we realize that Jesus and the Father is very concerned with the intent of your heart and that 
false teachers doesn't just simply mean, hey, I made a mistake in my teaching. But false teachers is, hey, I'm, give, I'm giving you a completely different version of, than what Jesus wants, right? So it's this intent to manipulate, this intent to pervert um, the good news, the intent to use it for personal gain, the intent to, to use it to accomplish a goal that has nothing to do with Jesus but everything to do with what I want to be in the world as a teacher, you know? Because we also see moments in the Bible where people disagree on things and they have open arguments. Paul and Peter go at it in front of everybody. So one of them was wrong, um, you know, and they had to kind of fess up to it. Um, and that's just, that's kind of part of it. But that's also the beauty of doing it together. Yeah. You know, is, hey, this is where, this is what I've, this is where I've come to so far. And someone else says, no, this is what I've discovered so far. I say, okay, well, let's, let's take a look at it. Let's, let's really, let's take what we've got and smash them against each other because we know there's something bigger than both of us. And at the end of the day, this deserves an answer. If there's an answer, it deserves an answer. So let's give it a shot, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, man, again, I think that's the, the fear piece is so the, the church movement that we're a part of, um, it's just called the Christian church. It came out of a couple of guys who were tied up in large denominations, right? And they said, you know what? I'm, we're tired of denominationalism. Um, all these ins and outs of what the Bible says and all that, like those are important things, but this denominationalism where every single thing has to be a certain way is, is killing the church as a whole. Yeah, and so they decided. You know what? We're just what we're going to do is we're just going to read the Bible, and we're going to focus on a few really common core things. Um, who is Jesus? What's his significance? Um, what did he do on Earth? Why did he do it? What does it have to do with us? And so it really boils down to this really basic thing: is that God created, creation made mistakes, that set in in motion this consequence for those mistakes god created a plan to give us a way around or through those mistakes the plan was jesus jesus came to earth lived a life on our behalf was crucified on our behalf that's the path through the mistakes and then jesus resurrected he's gone back with the father he's coming back again and we are we have been given the mission to tell everybody those basic pieces of the story and to allow people to have the greatest opportunity to make a well-informed decision about is that story true? And that's really it. That's, that's the only thing our church is about. Now the rest of the Bible study pieces, if you know, I mean, I've got two degrees, both of them have the, theology roots. So I love to talk about it yeah. and I love to discuss it and like, let's jump into it. Uh, but at the end of the day, if I were to have a million <laughs> debates on transubstantiation or any other big religious word, at the end of the day, I think God would look at me and say, what a waste. What a waste. So yeah, now you understand some of the deeper theological concepts in the Bible, and you can explain them to other people. But not many more people know that Jesus was Jesus. You know? Like, at the end of the day, that's got to be it. Go make disciples. Not go memorize the Bible. That wasn't the commission. Yeah. You know? Not have all the answers but to point people to the guy who has all the answers, you know, and we've just got to become okay with. Sometimes we just jump off cliffs. It's just faith. 
you know, it's just faith. And the only proof I've got for you is look at my life. That's it. That's all I got. I can't explain the Bible thing, but I, I can give you my life. I can show you how, I mean, goodness, I know, I don't look at your own story, Murphy. I mean, you are a walking miracle, you know, like a, just a walking miracle. And so if anybody wants to challenge you on what you know about the Bible, <laughs> I say, I don't know about that, but let me tell you my story. And no one's going to listen to your story from the last four years and, and how your life has radically changed and say, oh, yeah, something, something, something bigger than you happened, you know, something bigger than you happened. And, you know, that's living proof. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it it's funny because I was re- reading those, that same thread, right? And it's like, uh, even, even I just said it too, right? Like past like judgment and, and stuff like that. But w- as a non-believer, we go in there expecting people to have it all together too. Yeah. And so there's like a responsibility on the person who's coming there to understand that this is a place full of sick people and not like people who have right. it together you know so it's like <clears throat> vulnerable being vulnerable seems like probably where the biggest lack is right because to be like and and for me and jeremy if if i was never vulnerable or opened up to him our relationship wouldn't flourish i mean right. it would, like there'd be nothing to talk about it'd be like small talk every day or whatever which is what happens you know, on Sunday mornings or whatever, when you pass by somebody, oh, that's work, oh, it's good, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then you go on about your day. But I'm just saying, like, right. discipleship happens when you're doing life together. Yeah. You know, which, like, I keep coming back to, like, culture because it's, like, it's a factor that we can't get away from because we live in it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, talking with Chad last week, or not last week, but last last pod about just, uh, you know, finding the time to serve and things like that, it's, like, culture has a hold of us like whether we like it or not you know we have to play this game we got to be a part of this world and get ahead and provide and do all that stuff you know and so that's why i say it's like the 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 make the disciples piece there's got to be time there there's got to be time invested outside of the 30 minutes or hour or whatever you're at church in the little five minute conversation and so again it's like it comes back to like it's on the shoulder of men to go after that you know i yeah. think well, i mean what is discipleship right like if you could boil it down to its basic most basic elementary piece what is it it's being involved in in the growth of of the next man i mean it's getting the, more basic than that it's just relationship yeah, yeah. it's just it, there's a i'd put another word with it it's a on-purpose relationship, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Um, and like you said, hey, it's not going to be a Sunday morning. How's work? How's the weather? How about them Braves? Yeah, right. Like, like that's that's not enough. That's not enough. But discipleship doesn't only happen on Sunday morning. It's certainly uh, one hour out of the 168 hours in a week. Sure, it could be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, it could be a part of it. It could be a place where. You know, we our church in particular calls the place we gather base camp because it's a sending place. It's not a destination. 
So for for sure, when people gather there, the hope is is that they bec- become clear on what God expects for them that week, and then they have some courage to do something about what they become clear on, right? And so, and then we say, hey, now go, right? Um, the relationship piece and being really on purpose or intentional with it, I guess is the cultural buzzword. Um, that's all discipleship is, is now we've identified you're a dad and I'm a dad. You're a husband and I'm a husband. You're a follower of Jesus and I'm a follower of Jesus. And so now can we do those things together on purpose with Jesus in the lead? Can we do that? Like that's, and then now all of a sudden you and I are in a discipleship relationship because we've identified Hey, these are the things that we're doing. We're going to do them together, and we're going to let Jesus lead us. Every once in a while, you're going to lead me. Every once in a while, I'm going to lead you. You know, um, I'm not signing up to be your, you know, Jesus daddy forever, right? And I'm not asking you to sign up to be my Jesus daddy forever. I'm just saying, hey, let's just do it together. And there'll be moments when, or seasons even, where there's a lot more take from one person and the other person gives a lot more, but that's the rhythm of natural relationship. You know, yeah. it's, it's never 50, 50. Um, Jason, our community outreach pastor, when he does weddings, it's my favorite part that he does is he tells the couple marriage. And this is the same thing for any really great relationship. Marriage is, I mean, marriage isn't 50, 50. It's hundred, hundred. I'm bringing my A game. You're bringing your A game with the understanding that sometimes you physically can't bring a hundred that day. But that's okay because my hundred's enough, you know. My hundred make up for yours when I bring everything I got. And if that happens in the context of relationships, man, we're winning. It's just convincing guys that that's that's really that's the really the truth. And I think what we what we have is we have church guys, which we're all, all three of us are church guys, right? All three of us Jesus followers. All three of us go to foundation, right? Yeah. So then we're the three of us, and then the other guys. Other, I mean, we did Top Gun the other night. There's 100 guys there, right? So 100, 200, probably 300 guys, 400 maybe. I don't know how many guys go to our church. A bunch of guys. The guys who would say, hey, if you were to ask them, hey, where do you go to church? And they would say foundation. We've got to take a really good look in the mirror to make sure that we're identifying those cultural barriers in our lives that happen on, let's say, the the, one of the largest connecting pieces, which is Sunday mornings or one of our serve events in the community, where we take a look around and realize that we are the barrier for people not getting connected. That's it. And that, that Satan, that the enemy is using our comfort in church settings as an obstacle for people who are not comfortable in church settings. You know, like what should be our strength is being used as the greatest weakness for somebody else. And we've got to take ownership and say, hey, I'm a grown man, and now that I'm aware of it, I'm going to do something about it. And so we've got to be the guys that have the eyes who are looking around for the guy who's showing up with his family for the first time, and he know most likely his wife said, get up, we're going to church. you know, And that you realize, I've been there. I know what that's like. And so I want to make sure that if anybody else talks to him today, I'm going to talk to him, right? Because I'm not going to be the barrier. I will not be the barrier. I will not be the guy that he envisioned in his mind of the guy who's got it all together, who's got my kids in nice little outfits. We could have a family picture day today if we wanted to, 
you know, and my beard's looking good and shiny and saucy. It looks like I got some rest. Like we intended to go to church this morning. We went to bed Saturday night knowing Sunday morning we're going to church. And this joker got up Sunday morning thinking, hey, I'm about to scratch my rear end and just sit on the couch. And his wife said, get dressed. We're going to church. Yeah. Right. We got to do it. Yeah, I think it, I think it falls on us that if we're going to have an answer, it's got to be, uh, we say this all the time. The responsibility is always on the Jesus follower. It's never on. It's never on the person who's not a follower of Jesus. Yeah. They don't know what they don't know. Yeah, I think too. It's the other six days of the week. We, yeah, we got to be living that out. Like, uh-huh. I mean, if not, that might that dude might have seen you in public before, and mm-hmm. you were talking nasty to a waitress or yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Or like something like that. I'm just saying, it's like we have a responsibility to understand that the church is not just Sunday. Or whatever day, you know what I'm saying? It's like this every day, you know? And, like, a lot of people don't, I mean, not a lot of people, but, like, you know, some guys, like, you know, they love, you know, whatever. They're Jesus follower until it comes to their business. Yeah. And it's not evident in the way that they treat their guys or or do whatever. You know, like, that's that's the kind of things that I'm, I'm more of, like, how do I attack that? How do I go after that? I want to make sure that the other six days of the week I'm living up to that or I'm the salt. You know, I want right. to be the salt. I want to be the flavor. I want to be something that you want to be around. You know yeah. what I mean? And not, you know, not like judgmental or like whatever, you know, which is like a, a tough thing to do because it's like, how, how do you hang out with people that necessarily don't follow Jesus and follow Jesus at the same time? And love them, but not, you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. a difficult, it's a difficult thing, especially for somebody like myself, who like most of my friends aren't in church. It's, I mean, and there's like a, there's a whole nother like thing to speak to on like people my age group, which is like, you know, spirituality is like a huge right. thing, right? We're just connected with everything, brother. <laughs> you know, like, I, and I get that, you know what I mean? Like, I understand where they're coming from, but it's like all that stems from is wanting to reject the organization. Right because of the past hurts or the fallacies or anything that they've seen. So now they're like, well, I'll, I'll handle this journey by myself. Right. Me in the trees. Yep. You know what I mean? Like whatever. I'm just saying like, that's, that's a big thing with people. Yeah. My age group and a little younger is just like, we're all connected. We're all one. It's like the spirituality thing without the Jesus piece. And so that's what it's like. How do I convey that? You know what I mean? How, Besides just living it out all the other six days, seven days a week, you know what I'm saying? Which, again, puts a lot of pressure on the men. I I think it begins, though, with what you just said, acknowledging the reality of the friends that you have in your life and also acknowledging, so it starts with that, acknowledging their reality. The second thing, though, is acknowledging that you're the one that's there. Like of all the people in the entire world, who could be in that circle of friends, God chose you. And now maybe that puts some pressure or, or maybe it brings a little bit of pride that says, man, he trusts me. The spirit of God inside of me. I'm not at the end of the day. All I can do is be me. I've got to, I've got to have faith. I got to jump off this friendship cliff, even though I don't have no idea where I'm going with it. I got to trust that if God put me in this situation and the spirit of God is real inside of me, that he'll guide my thoughts and he'll guide my words and he'll guide my actions. And he will prompt me with the courage to jump in at the appropriate moment. 
and whatever that looks like. I'm not saying, hey, we're going to have a Billy Graham crusade leading to Jesus, right, while we're hanging out in the garage. Yeah. Right? I'm not saying that. But the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, will do his part. He's not going to leave you hanging out in the dry, right? Um, he's not gonna, I don't think he'll do that. If the intent and the, the, the heart piece is, is right. I think it's, that's it, acknowledging their reality, but also creating a sense of urgency of understanding your own reality. Like, I'm the guy God's put here. Yeah. You know? Like, what a privilege, you know? Because the truth is, the truth is, it, it, if it all goes well, at some point, at some point, someone stands up in a funeral home or in a church or at a cemetery somewhere for every single one of those friends and says, this person was a faithful man of God. And, like, that's what we want to hear at someone's funeral. Like, that's, hey, this is good because we believe in eternal life. Even even better when it was us that God used to introduce them to the idea that creates that statement to be true at the end of their life. Yeah. You know, like, man, we were a part of it, you know. And we realized that in our minds it ends at that funeral Right, but the truth is, from a biblical perspective, it just continues on that this was just the first step, and we got to play an enormous role because we understood their predicament. We also understood our role and the privilege that we have to be in the middle of their predicament with them, and to say, actually, I got the answer. I don't have all the answers to their questions, but I do have the answer to the one question that's the most important question. They might not even realize it's a question yet. They might even think I got the answers. The trees is whatever fill in the blank, right? But just because you think you got the answer, there's Truth is truth. Yeah. You know, truth is truth, whether they want to acknowledge it or not. And now we get the privilege of being in a place with the truth. And it's just whether or not we want to take the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, for me, I always, like, I've said this on here before, but like, my approach is, is that just like somebody who works out all the time, he doesn't walk in a room and go, oh, work out. Oh, work out. He just walks in yoked. You know what I mean? He's just huge. <laughs> and so, like, I want to be the same way with Jesus. I don't have. I don't want to have to tell you that I believe that. You should be able to tell that from just being around me. That something, even if you don't know what it is, be like, there's something different about his energy or the way he, yeah. he handles it. Like that's that's the, the way of, that he walks with the trees. Yes. <laughs> you see the way the leaves just move. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, that's the kind of like to me. It's like. If I, if, to me, it's just with my own personal experiences. Like I've seen enough people on the, on the corners screaming, telling people they're going to hell. But what you don't see is how people live that out. Right. How, like, how is it? You know what I'm saying? Like, how, like, like, uh, what? Yeah, true, Kathy. You know, it's like a small thing of like, hey, we're going to be closed on Sundays, and it blows up to be this enormous chain doing great things. You know what right. I'm saying? It's like little things that you can make you know you stand your ground on or whatever you know like for me i make hip-hop music i don't cuss my music you know and i'm i make music with people who don't make you know music the way i do right but it's like when we collaborate on something they know what time it is you know what i'm saying and it's like at the end of the day they they know you know a lot of them know my story you know what i'm saying right. so it's like even without me having to say anything they know there's a difference you know mm -hmm. And I, I feel like um, the church sometimes, men in the church sometimes go for the appearance of looking like it and not being thorough with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, the only the issue you run, you run into that with that analogy is, hey, you don't have to tell everybody you work out because everybody can just see that you work out, is that it creates sometimes this intimidation factor of, I never want to work out with you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
right? Like you, you've already got, you've, you've already got it. You are put together, right? So I, if yeah. I, if I want to start a workout journey, like I might ask you, like, give me some tips or whatever. But the truth is, I actually don't think you have anything for me. Like you don't even remember what it means to be like I am right now. Like you don't, you don't know what it's like to walk in a gym and have no idea how to use any of those machines, you know, or to not be able to run for 45 seconds in a row without hurling. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Um, and so you run the risk of, Hey, this is where it's at. Whereas if there's, if there's at least some outward conversation of this invite thing of, or where we break down barriers and say, Hey, to be, to be honest, when, when God looks at me, he still sees someone that's very incomplete and it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how jacked I get on Jesus. I'm still not enough. Yeah. Right. I'm still as broken as day one. Right. I'm still as imperfect as day one. The only thing that connects me to the Father is Jesus. Right. That's it. That's it. And so it doesn't matter if you got 20 years of faith experience, 50 years of faith experience, or you are right on the verge of asking your very first faith question. Imperfection is imperfection. And how do you communicate that? In the way that you're saying, that's that's the tough part, I think. Yeah. You know, that's that's the that's the hard part. But I do think it's our responsibility to figure it out. And I think sometimes that responsibility can shift person to person because you get to know somebody and you realize they're not going to respond in this particular way. They would prefer, you know, I, I've watched them respond in other things in their lives when they were approached this way. So I'm not going to do that with Jesus. I'm going to figure out a way, you know, for them to be open enough to explore the possibility that Jesus is more than an ancient mythical figure. Yeah. You know, that some archaic book writes about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know? Yeah. I guess I guess for me it's like <clears throat> I'm I, I focus heavy on the relationship. Yeah. Right. So if 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 every time you come around me, I'm like, Hey man, let me tell you yeah. you need to, eventually you're gonna be like, you know what, I, I don't feel like hearing that today. Yep. And so to me it's like I'd much rather do life with you. You be in here recording with me, see how this process goes. You you know, you know my kids are just in the other room. Like right. like you see how this is. This is this is what it looks like. Like without having to say a word, they know there's a difference between the way I'm operating and the way they're operating. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so what happens is that's what I, that's what my point is is if we're being the salt, the attraction is there. The attraction is there, but w- at some point they have to real they have to come to the realization that the way you live your life is good for you but are you actually concerned with the way they live their life like does or are you content enough with hey I got my stuff together and I want you to be around me so that you can experience like hey this is good but at some point it's got to flip a little bit to say hey man I'm I'm actually interested in how you do what you do and why you do what you do? Because I'm interested in you. Already I don't went, want you just did to be. That path. What's that? <laughs> so I already did that path. I know how that works. Yeah, I know where they're at. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I'm saying the conversation is there. We have I have conversations with every one of them. Yeah, it's it's not like. But what I'm saying is is like, if I'm just all hey come to church, hey come do this. Oh, but yeah, yeah, what yeah, I'm no. saying is yeah. is like it's more of like, like. The attraction is there. Do I want to find out more about what it what it is? What is that you right. know that you got going on? Yep. And that's what I'm saying is is a lot of times. I mean, a, a lot of times, right? Like people come when they're broken, right? Uh, sure. It, I mean, 
people get saved in, in prison all the time, right? Yeah. But what I'm, but it's like it's different when you're in the when you're when you're free and you're around somebody and that relationship is there, and you're like, you can see the momentum that someone else has got. That's what I'm saying. Right. And so, I what I'm saying is, is sometimes if if I was to just want to be like evangelizing all the time or like let me tell you about blah 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 blah, that moment ain't gonna happen. You see what I'm saying? Because right. no, I agree the with you. conviction is going to be, whether it's conviction or just like not interested, my brain is at a different point with my walk of faith that where like certain things intrigue me that, that aren't going to interest them. You see what I'm saying? Right. And so it's like I've more or less is like I'm uh, very transparent about decisions I make in business to, because to me it's like the your, your walk with God is full circle. It's not just a spiritual. It's like how you handle the finances – why you're you're going after the things you're going after like there's there's a whole big deal to it you know and so it's like for me it's like you need discipleship takes a relationship and if if i don't see anything of value in what you have going on why would i want that sure yeah so that's what i'm saying is is i would much rather be the guy yoked and you see that i work out and then you're gonna be like if you're interested why why wouldn't you come talk to the guy who's yoked Hey man, I'm trying to get in working out. What'd you do to start? You know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? Instead of like, to me, it's just like if I walk in, yeah, I work out, get your protein, blah blah blah. <laughs> now you kind of seem like a chops. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's like, whereas if I let you approach me and I just, I'm just staying true to what I'm supposed to be doing, and I let, I let that happen. Now you're gonna be more like I have your ear more than if I was to like. Every time we're around each other, I'm like, hey, come to church. Hey, come to church. Come to church this Sunday. Or you know what I mean? So, like, to me, I'm just saying in my own life, that's 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 what I've seen, you know? Yeah. But I don't know where I was going with that. But, yeah, that's what yeah, I've seen. There it is. There it is. So, look at that. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to look at it. <laughs> so... We always hit on this practical application, you know, and what I'm pulling out of the conversation is, is the fact that you have, you know, and this, this is directed toward people who have made a decision with Jesus, right? If you haven't made it, if you're listening to this and you don't have, you haven't made a, a decision to follow Jesus, maybe you're interested now. Hope but, you are. I mean, if you've been listening this long, good gracious. Yeah, you're in. So. <laughs> you're interested in something. Right. So. Believers. Take some action with some, the buzzword, intentional relationship. And take a step out of, with some courage back behind it. Ignore the fear, you know, of everything that we've discussed. Take some risk. Invest in, into some lives um, with a purpose. And the purpose is not necessarily, not, not necessarily to evangelize, like, with words, but, like, invite them into your life. And then vice versa. Like, be interested in their life, yeah. where they're at. Not from the perspective of, oh, I'm going to change this person. No, that's Jesus' responsibility. Right. But I'm going to love them, you know. And then see what God does. Because that multiplied by God equals the unstoppable momentum. You're going to taste it. And then once you taste it, you're going to want more of it. Um, but... It takes you stepping out of your comfort zone, 
where you feel like, oh, I'm okay with not talking to that person on Sunday morning or not talking to that person uh, on the job site that I feel like I need to. You know, like there's something inside of me saying, hey, go talk to that guy. And don't ignore that. Don't just sit there. Take some action. Do something about it. And don't do it with, okay, this is my strategic plan and this is how I'm going to walk through it and this is like how the conversation is going to go and then we're going to do lunch next week or none of that. Just initiate it, you know, with the, with the, with the vision of, you know, I care about this individual or I want to get to know this person so I can care about them, you know, um, but action, you know, practical application, take some risk. You know, and you're going to fail when you take some risk. But, you know, as somebody that I follow pretty strong would say, good. Yeah. Failure is good. Any any other closing thoughts? For me, it's just take responsibility. Yeah. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're a guy, take the responsibility. Be responsible. Don't pass it off to somebody else. You know, I've, I know when we look at the words of Jesus, it's always action oriented. You know, it's, it's, hey, let's have this conversation. But then we need to, the words are, you need to spur one another or urge one another on towards love and good deeds. So it's not just a, let's think about it. Um, but put some action behind it, you know, and give yourself permission to not have all the answers, right? The one thing you got all the answers about is your personal story of how Jesus has impacted you. You got all those answers. That's enough, you know. That's um, that's enough. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're listening, um, if I could give you one simple thing to do, uh, it'd be to ask the question you've wanted to ask, whatever it is, you know, of a Jesus follower. Find one that'll sit and have a conversation with you and ask him the tough question, you know. And then I just pray that that Jesus follower that you choose will have the courage to either tell you they don't have that answer or they'll have the clarity of thought to to explain it in a way that, that you can... Um, gather and take in yeah yeah I mean uh, it's just funny that um, <laughs> everything we always talk about always winds up coming back to men leading and uh, how important and crucial that is um, yeah this is a really great talk I uh, really enjoyed having you on Clint thanks man um, as always y'all can reach out to us at masculinerevolution uh, at gmail.com or in person. Uh, until next time. Join the family. <laughs>